It's good to see you today. Hey, we're celebrating two anniversaries today. We've got a power anniversary. This is our 15th year anniversary of the power place. So, April 11th, Easter Sunday, 2004, uh, we opened our first service at the Red Clay Room here in Kennett Square. We've been in Kennett ever since, and the power place turns 15 today. So we're kind of in those teenage years, right? We're growing, and, and, and things are expanding, and things are changing, and I love it. And uh, maturity is on its way. <laughs> so today after service, uh, we've got an ice cream truck coming. And you can get, you can get your, your ice cream there. It's free for you. Uh, we've got pony rides for the kids. We've got some yard games set up, and it's just going to be a great time together as we just celebrate 15 years as a family here at the Power Place. Is that all right? You ready to celebrate and have a good time today? Don't rush off. Just, just hang out and, and eat some ice cream and enjoy the beautiful weather today. And also, today is the anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ain't no grave could hold him down. And because he's risen from the dead, we can walk in newness of life. And it's so exciting. And, and I'm excited about this season we're in. Uh, these next four weeks are going to be powerful. Bike and rider blessing and water baptism next Sunday. Listen, if you've given your heart to the Lord and you've, you've decided to follow him as his follower, then next Sunday, your next step is to be baptized in water. God's already changed your heart on the inside, but you want to show the world on the outside, hey, I believe, and I'm going to follow, and I'm dying to myself. That's what being buried in water is. I'm dying to myself, but I'm going to be raised in newness of life, just like Jesus was raised up. And so we're going to celebrate that next Sunday, along with our bike and rider blessing. It's just going to be a great time together. And, and I can't wait for the new EP to come out. I, I've gotten a, an inside view on some of the stuff that's coming, and it's mind-blowing. And you're going you're gonna to be, be wanting to download it and uh, share it with all your friends, right? Yeah. Amen. And Mother's Day's coming up, and Tim and Rochelle are going to be here. For, they're going to be here for that Friday night when the, when the uh, EP is released. They're going to be there Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. It's going to be a full weekend of Holy Spirit experience. And I know you'll want to be here and invite your friends to be a part of that. But today is Easter Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the verse 3 of that, that ain't no grave. There was a battle, a war between death and life. There on a tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. He went on down to hell. And he took back every key. He rose up as a lion and he's sitting, setting all the captives free. Ain't no grave could hold his body down. 
There ain't no grave going to hold my body down because I'm his child. And if you walked out of the grave, I'm a walking too. Hey, uh, if you walk out of the grave, I'm walking too. Because I got your DNA in me as your child, and, and I've overcome. The apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus, he said in verse 17 of chapter 1, when I saw him, speaking of Jesus, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death in the grave. I took it back. I got a hold of the keys, and I have them. I always have them from now on. You see, when, when, when Jesus shows up, everything changes. When he went into the grave and he went down into hell, he set captives free. He took the keys back. And when he shows up, everything changes. And over 16 years ago, Christy and I were traveling with our family on the road as evangelists. We lived in a fifth wheel and we traveled the country and shared the good news of Jesus. And God began to tap us on the shoulder and said, plant a church. But we'd never done that. We didn't know how to do that. We didn't know where to do that. And God divinely pointed us to Kennett Square. And here we are, 16 years later. You see, when, when Jesus shows up and speaks to you, everything changes. And this church is here today because he spoke to us and said, go plant a church a church where people can encounter the power of Almighty God. That's why this church is called the Power Place. It's not because we wanted a cute little fancy name because everybody told us, if you name it the Power Place, nobody's going to come. <laughs> okay. But God said it's the Power Place, and, and his power is available to each and every one of you today. See, when he shows up, Things change. Four and a half weeks ago, Christie's father passed away, Dave Colonin. And we, uh, we celebrated his life, a life well lived, a life full of passion, a life full of purpose, a life lived for Jesus from a very young age. God showed up in his life. He was a backward, shy, awkward, six-foot-five teenager, and God got a hold of his life and changed him, and he went around the world singing and preaching about Jesus Christ and seeing people set free from sin, people called into the ministry. And we, we, uh, we had a graveside service on that Monday. His, his uh, memorial service was on Sunday night, and we couldn't go to the graveside on, on Sunday night at, at dark because kind of creepy. <laughs> but they wouldn't let us in anyway. So, so we went back on Monday and had the graveside service. And, and I got to tell you, it was one of the most incredible uh, graveside memorial services I've ever been a part of. Uh, the only tears that happened were tears of joy 
because we know ain't no grave going to hold his body down. The funeral director is like, we, we can't really put him in the ground yet because it's full of water because it rained and, and, and his hole has is, is got a whole lot of water in it. We're like, it don't matter. He's only going to be there a while because Jesus is coming back. And, and just this past week, uh, Chris and I were in Kansas. We were uh, hanging out with my family for, for a while. And my parents are struggling with some physical issues. And, and so we, I took them to the, the grave site of my grandfather and grandmother, Reverend Lewis John Hollis. And uh, he was a great man of God. But it didn't start out that way. But when Jesus shows up, everything changes. And he was a farmer, and God got a hold of his life, and he, he gave his life to Jesus. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and he began just to believe that if it was in the Bible, if God said it, then he believed that God really meant it. And so... He saw signs and wonders and miracles. I mean, people were raised from the dead when my grandfather prayed for them. Three people that I know of. You know, the, the, the coroner had already pronounced them dead and Grandpa didn't have much sense. He just went in and prayed for the dead guy and they came out together. <laughs> and uh, limbs were healed, broken bodies were, were mended. One guy had his eyeballs hung out on, on his cheekbones out of the socket. And Grandpa prayed for him and went back in. Pretty cool. Kind of awkward. But <laughs> my mom and dad, they both have dementia. And yet my dad was still remembering and sharing some of the stories that he had shared years ago with us. And he could remember. He remembered one man who, who had... Uh, said publicly to everyone, if, if a preacher ever comes on my property, I'll kill him. And Grandpa said, where does he live? <laughs> and so he, he got the kids. He said, come on, kids, we're going to the, the guy's farm. And they showed up, and there was a gate there. And, and Gra Grandpa said to my dad, get out and open the gate. And my dad's like, I was scared to death. I'm thinking the guy's going to come shoot me, and he's going to shoot Dad, and we're all gone. But they showed up and didn't get killed. And God touched that man that day. You see, when, when Jesus shows up, everything changes. I stood at my, my grandfather's casket, 1978. I was 20 years old. And I, I committed my life once again to becoming the kind of man that my grandpa would have been proud of. And I said, Lord, I want some of that. I want some of what grandpa had. And Jesus showed up in my life that day because I was a bashful, backward, shy. I, I would hide behind my mother's skirt when people talked to me. Have you met Roman lately? <laughs> Sometimes he's like over the top. He's my grandson. But other times, he just he's a shy guy. He just doesn't want to talk to you. He's like, that was me. Until Jesus showed up. 
in my life. And when you let Jesus in, everything changes. It's interesting that the Easter story, the reason we're here today, it takes place in a cemetery. I've had some cemetery experiences lately. And the Easter story happens in a cemetery. And even though death seems to be the final and the worst thing, the worst thing's never the last thing. There is a second death that's coming that no one wants to be a part of because it's an eternal death. It's filled with the blackest darkness, fire and brimstone, weeping and gnashing of teeth. The only way to miss that second death is to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I'm going to give you a chance to do that this morning. You see, he's risen from the grave, and because he lives, we can live also. He gives us that privilege if we'll accept his free gift of salvation. Life here and now and life everlasting with him. You don't want to miss it, I'm telling you. Let me take you back to that first resurrection morning. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning while it was still dark. Anybody get up before dark this morning? Oh, yeah. I was there. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She was coming back with spices. She was going to anoint his body for burial. And she came back and, and the stone was rolled away. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And it's John because John's writing this. <laughs> You'll find references all through John where the one Jesus loved is me. He loved me. Right? She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, They've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. I mean, she's upset. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb, and they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. <laughs> I love it. And reached the tomb first. And he stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, which Peter, he's always barging into everything, every situation, right? Peter went inside, and he also noticed, wait a minute, where am I at? Verse 5, he stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Now, this was no hurried body snatching. Okay? Even in Jesus' resurrection, there was a calm, peaceful time to go ahead and take the head cloth off, fold it up, lay it to the side, because he's never in a hurry. He's always right on time. He's never flustered. He's never panicked. Jesus is always filled with peace. And then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. 
And then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Now, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm thinking to myself, why, why didn't Peter and John see the angels? I mean, they were there. Well, they really didn't need to because they were going to have their own encounter in just a few hours with the risen Jesus. And God deals with each of us according to what he knows we need. Mary needed that encounter with the angels that day. Peter and John didn't. Some of you wonder, you know, you hear people talk about, I saw this, I saw that, and you're like, why don't I ever see anything like that? Maybe you don't need to. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. I'm more blessed if I don't see and still believe. And so, dear woman, why are you crying, the angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they put him. She turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. I wonder how many times you've bumped into Jesus in your journey and have never recognized him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And she thought it was the gardener. She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. All of a sudden, he speaks her name, and she recognizes that voice. She recognizes him for who he really is. Teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. And that Sunday evening, that Sunday evening, just a few hours later, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And I'm thinking if he shows up and we're not expecting him and all of a sudden there's this guy here in the room and we didn't open the door for him, we're going to need some peace. <laughs> Just what I'm thinking. And he said, peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side. And they were 
terrified. What? They were what? Filled with what? Filled with joy when they saw the Lord. You see, everything changes when Jesus shows up. Peace comes. Joy comes. Everything changes. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Here they were, afraid, doors locked, sitting around downcast and discouraged. The fear was palpable. I mean, all the feelings of loss and betrayal and, and disappointment and anger. and It was this, as if all the air had been sucked out of the room. No more boldness, very little faith. Even though two of them had seen the empty tomb, they still didn't understand that this was God's plan all along. That the scriptures had foretold this moment. But everything changed when the risen Jesus showed up in the room. How the atmosphere changed inside the room, inside their hearts. His, his resurrection changes everything. Peace, joy, boldness, courage, purpose, life, all of that began to flow back into them. You see, his resurrection still changes everything. Timid cowards afraid to come outside of their house, they turned into bold proclaimers that he is risen. In fact, they gave their lives for that. Because he's alive, you and I can live also. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. Everything changed for me when Jesus showed up in my life. You wouldn't have caught me dead on this stage talking to you. It's not what I did. I didn't do that. I was behind the scenes. Don't, don't even look at me. Don't talk to me. I'm, I'm shy. I don't do people. I don't do crowds. I don't do public speaking for sure. But everything changes when Jesus gets a hold of your life, when he shows up and you allow him access into your life. He said, I'm the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Because he's alive, everything changes. He holds the keys. I was thinking of the woman caught in adultery. John chapter 8, John records the, the moment. As he was speaking, as Jesus was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. They drug her out there and put her down. De teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now I'm thinking to myself, if she was caught in the act, somebody else was there. Where's the guy at? They said, the law of Moses says to Stoner, what do you say? The law of Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 22, 22, if a man is discovered committing adultery, both he and the woman must die. Okay. But they only brought the woman because verse 6 says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. They weren't concerned about the law. They were trying to trap Jesus. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger, 
And they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Now, I'm, I'm wondering what he was writing. I'm thinking he wrote the name of the woman that that guy over there had eyes for, but he's married. Or he's writing some of the, the, the sins that he knew they had committed. And as he's writing in the dust, they start walking away. <laughs> in fact, it says from the older to the younger. And they, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And apparently the woman had a revelation of who Jesus really was for she addressed him with the divine name of, in the Aramaic, Lord Yahweh, Marya. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Guilty? Yes, all of us. Amen. Able to be pardoned? Yes, all of us. Amen. Jesus doesn't show up to condemn you. He shows up to set you free and send you off in a brand new pathway of living. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because when Jesus shows up, everything changes. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to forgive you and give you brand new start. A new start that ends in life eternal, life everlasting. Max Lucado, he was on his honeymoon, and, and if, if you know Max, he, he's kind of a, a cut and dry guy and... and uh, he says, the mater d' wouldn't change his mind. He said, you're not getting in here without a jacket. Max didn't know you had to have a jacket, right? He just had reservations because somebody had blessed him and his wife for their honeymoon with reservations to this lovely restaurant. He said, I needed a jacket, but all I had was a prayer. The fellow was too kind to turn me away, but too loyal to lower the standard. So the very one who required a jacket gave me a jacket, and we were given a table. Amen. Isn't this what happened to us at the cross? Seats at God's table are not available to the sloppy. They're not available to the sinful. But who among us is anything but? We're all sinners. The Bible says there's not one righteous, no, not one. I don't care if you're Mother Teresa. You got sin in your life. You may be Billy Graham. Sorry, you still need a Savior. 
God loves us so much that Jesus bore our sin on the cross so we could wear his righteousness and have a seat at the table. It's called the great exchange. Our filthy robes for his robes of righteousness. <laughs> Who can walk away from that gift? Who in the right mind would walk away from that gift? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And in Galatians, Paul writes, Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it completely, and he became a curse in our place. For it is written, everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed. Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place. And in so doing, he dissolved the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon even non-Jewish believers. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe in him. So what's it take to get in? Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what Romans says. What an offer. Free gift of salvation. Max Lucado says it wasn't enough for him to prepare you a feast. It wasn't enough for him to reserve you a seat. It wasn't enough for him to cover the cost and provide the transportation to the banquet. He did something more. He let you wear his own clothes so that you would be properly dressed. He did that just for you. Because he's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. He's God Almighty. He's our Savior, our Forgiver, our Redeemer, our Healer, our Baptizer, our soon-coming King. And when Jesus shows up, everything changes.